to the PHNX Coyotes podcast brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five star review. I'm Leah Merrill here with Craig Morgan and Steve Peters, who is back in New York City, back and forth on the East Coast, covering the Eastern Conference final between the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And speaking of the Tampa Bay Lightning today, we are going to talk about dynasties and whether or not Tampa is one and if winning this a cup this year would make them one Craig seems to think so Um, and not only that that if they do they'd be the most dominant team of the post-lockout salary cap era so I'm going to send it over to Craig to kick us off yeah and as usual I'm going to talk far too long about this but let me set the context for this first of all I have a lot of people that tell me they don't think these teams like the Blackhawks or the Penguins or Tampa Bay Lightning are dynasties because they haven't won enough. Well, the game has changed. So that's a ridiculous take. Uh, Gone are the days when you could just keep the same roster year after year after year and win multiple cups like, you know, the old Montreal Canadiens did, or even, you know, the Islanders when they won four in a row, things were a lot different then. First of all, there were less teams in the league back then. So it was easier to win because there's less competition. Secondly, like I said, there was no salary cap. So you could keep your roster intact. You can't do that since, since the lockout that canceled the 2004, five season, the salary cap has come into play. They instituted the following season. When you win, when you have success, players get paid more. And when a lot of players get paid more under a salary cap, you can't keep them all. So in my opinion, you have to evaluate dynasties differently than you used to. So the Blackhawks having won three cups and the Penguins having won three cups in that span in our, are, in my opinion, absolutely dynasties. I think Tampa Bay can get there too if they win this third cup. I don't think you're there when you win two. I don't consider the LA Kings a dynasty for that reason because they only won two cups. But if Tampa gets a third straight cup, I absolutely think that they belong in that mix. And of course, we're also talking about a three-peat, which is probably the argument why the Tampa Bay Lightning may rise above the Blackhawks and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Nobody's won three in a row since the Islanders did in the early 80s, but I've talked enough here. I'm just wondering what you guys think about this. I agree that it takes three because when I was looking at the, you know, the Stanley cup winners of the post lockout era, I automatically thought of Pittsburgh and Chicago. And I didn't really think of LA. Of course, LA had two cups and that makes them a really successful team. But I think that third cup is the thing that pushes you over the edge to being a dynasty. And if Tampa gets it done this year, I think that they will be a dynasty. And the fact that it would be a three-peat, I agree with you, Craig, would put them above the rest. I think the third cup is what makes them a dynasty. 100% you do. It's got to be three. It's got to be three because, again, we bring in L.A. And would you say L.A. is a dynasty? And I no, I don't think so. So I, so the magical number for the PHNX Coyotes podcast is three. And so yes. people can agree, disagree, and let us know in the Discord, in the chat. Let us know. So let so, me read you some numbers yeah. here. Sorry, Leah, go ahead. You, oh, you go, Greg. You go. Okay. So I've got some numbers here for those teams that we talked about. For reference, for L.A., they won two cups, of course, um, including one that the Coyotes, Coyotes fans don't want to remember because that was probably Arizona's best shot at a cup in 2012. But they have two cups. And in in this era of, you know, the, the Kopitar, Dowdy, 
Dustin Brown era. They made three Western Conference finals. So by comparison, the Blackhawks won three cups. They made it to the Western Conference finals five times in the Kane, Taves, Keith era. Pittsburgh, same thing. Three cups, five Eastern Conference finals in the Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang era. Tampa right now at two cups, six Eastern Conference finals. So they've made more conference finals appearances than either the Blackhawks or Pittsburgh. If they win a third cup, they're even in cups, and they will also have three-peated, which hasn't been done since the New York Islanders did it in the early 80s. And another point on those te- those dynasties of yesteryear, there were less teams in the NHL back then. When Montreal was doing it, by and large, there were six teams in the NHL. So it wasn't as hard to win titles year after year if you were the dominant team and could keep all your players. Now there are 32 teams in the NHL. So what Tampa do- is doing right now, if they get to their third cup, to me, they supplant both the Penguins and the Blackhawks as the dominant team of the post-lockout salary cap era. Oh, and then we look at, I couldn't agree more because when we talked about, especially the Pittsburgh Penguins, three cups, but the first two are seven years apart. So you're talking about, again, the the, the rollover in, in the ancillary players was massive in the differences. Again, though, it's the same core. And the one commonality between all of these teams is they drafted their core. Yeah. They, they had to get, they acquired the rest of them, other means, whether it's college free agents, trades, free agent signings. Uh, but that core for each of the three teams was all drafted. And, and honestly, the best example of it really is Tampa Bay. And, and we will keep going back to what Daryl Plandowski has done in Tampa. And I, I'm going to read off some names. These are the guys that were drafted. Stamkos, number one overall. Hedman, number two overall. Kucherov, second round. Point, third round. Lauren, third round. Sorelli, third round. Palat, seventh round. Vasilevsky, 19th overall. Like, granted, one thing they've had that the Coyotes don't have is that number one pick. But they were able to hit on guys later in the draft. Second, third, and seventh rounds. Coyotes have so many picks. They need to hit. They don't need to be everyone doesn't need to be Stamkos. You can be Kalorn and you can be Sorelli and you can be Pilat. You just have to be on the team playing meaningful minutes. So for me Tampa is so much different because they built almost their entire core through the draft. Whereas the other teams built their top end core through the draft. Yeah, we're going to get to the importance of drafting in just a minute as it relates to the Coyotes. This will come after uh, Leah guts her way through a DraftKings read, uh, feeling sick today. Thank you, Leah, Sorry for Sorry about here, my voice, way. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one other point of that, like when I look at those teams that we just mentioned as the dynasties of this era, of course, I can't help but wonder what might have been with the Blackhawks, who came within a deflected goal off a of defenseman of probably winning their fourth cup when they lost in game seven, you know, in overtime to the LA Kings in the Western conference final uh, in 2014, they might've gotten their fourth. They probably would have won their fourth cup that season. Or if, you know, Stan Bowman had hadn't mismanaged things so badly that they couldn't fill in around the core. Get out the cowbell. Some... <laughs> Sorry. Am I, am I digressing here? I, I, <laughs> so maybe this is a good time for Leah to muscle through the uh, DraftKings read so I can, uh, Catch my breath and come down. <laughs> well, um, if you want to check out 
DraftKings, you can bet on tonight's matchup. And even though the Lightning are on the road, they're actually favored on the money line, minus 130 favorites. Um, even without Braden Point. Mm. Yeah, even without Braden Point, which is interesting. Usually on sports books, the home team is favored. So I think that's interesting, especially considering the fact that the Rangers have been playing really well at home in the postseason. So we'll see what happens. It'll be an exciting game the puck line however for on tampa is plus 200 so it, it, the sports book is predicting that's going to be a closer game um, and the over under is just set at five so lower than the western conference final was should be an interesting one tonight if you want to bet on that you can at the drafting sportsbook app i'm so glad hockey is back on tonight i was dying last night without it i don't really care about this nba final at all so i did not check it out but you could Invest in it a little if you want to bet on it on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And right now, new customers who sign up using the promo code PHNX could make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code PHNX only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Thank you. That was a struggle, but I made it. All bissonet applause for you for getting Thank through Thank you. Yep. It all agreed. Well, Gosh. so so Petey talked about the, the fact that all of the core pieces were drafted, and that's important, and I know we want to get more into that. But what is the common thread with Tampa, Pittsburgh, and Chicago? What were the, the key positions that those teams had filled? That's kind of what I want to talk about because as we look at the draft, like what positions are the most important the Coyotes to target so that maybe one day they're put in place to have success like these other teams? Well, I don't think there's any secret that you need that top-end center that that drives everything with your forward group. I mean, it, it allows guys to slot into their correct position so you're not pushing a guy into that role that really doesn't belong there. It, it throws everything out of whack if you don't have that guy at the top of the lineup. But more than that, it or, or just as important to that, is that those guys are game changers. Those are the guys who can occasionally win a game all on their own. When your team's having an off night or you need an elite play that <clears throat> you're not going to get from a bunch of these other people, man, you're passing it to me. Yeah. Um, you, you, you can rely on those guys to make a couple of game changing plays on their own to alter the outcome of a game. You need those guys at the top of your lineup. You need a number one defenseman as well. Like when you look at those, the teams that we're talking about, Initially, at least for for the Tampa Bay Lightning, Petey mentioned the two names: it's Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman are your number one center and your number one defenseman. For the Blackhawks, Jonathan Taves, when he was at his height, and he fell off quickly, but he was a terrific two-way center at the height of his game. And then Duncan Keith, of course, was your number one defenseman. It it, it helped to have Patrick Kane obviously playing on the wing as well. And then with with LA or not LA, I could say LA, uh, Anshay Kopitar and Drew Doughty. But with Pittsburgh, of course, you have Sidney Crosby. You also have Evgeny Malkin. You have Chris Letang. The interesting thing, the interesting position for me is goaltending. Because people always say, oh, it's critical to have good goaltending. Of course, you have to have it. But sometimes a team can fill in with a guy that isn't necessarily an elite goaltender and still win. Now, Tampa has Andre Vasilevsky, who is without question one of the elite goaltenders in the game. You, you can't question that. Um Pittsburgh had Marc-Andre Fleury, but the Blackhawks won their first cup with Antti Niemi as their starting goaltender. I forgot about that. Yeah. 
Corey Crawford became a really good NHL goaltender. I thought underrated for part of it, but he was never elite. On the flip side, Jonathan Quick for L.A., absolutely an elite goaltender at the height of his game. And Pittsburgh had two different goalies, too. They won the first cup with Flurry, and then switch over to Murray, who at the time was really, really young and unproven. Yeah, it's almost like you can catch lightning in a bottle with a goalie. They don't have to be that sustained player like, you know, the center or the number one D has to be. Yeah, when you go to Pittsburgh with their goaltender zone, you, you mentioned the two of them, Marc-Andre Fleury, who who we've already talked about, was number one overall in 2003. But they win their last cup with Matt Murray, who was a third round pick. But again, the key there, if you noticed, they picked both of those goaltenders. Was Chicago Corey Crawford's a draft pick. Like Corey Crawford's a second round pick in 2003, but Anthony Emmy's free agent signing. So you yeah. can do it both ways. Vasilevsky, who I think is the key to this Tampa success, I know they've drafted well, and I know the things above them are great. But if you've watched this series in the Eastern Conference, when Vasilevsky is on, this team is unbeatable. He hasn't given up an even strength goal in two games. Both games in Tampa, Rangers only scored on the power play. When he's on, he's on, and he makes the difference. Games one and two, he was a little shaky, a little rusty. The Rangers are able to score and get the wins. So I think you're right. Chicago was so dominating. Anthony Emmy was okay. He was good. He wasn't great. And, and you look at this season's teams, the, the Colorado Avalanche right now, who are in the Stanley Cup Finals, their goaltending has been good. Their goaltending hasn't been great. Yeah. It's been good. This may be a team, if they are able to get over the hump and win the Stanley Cup this season, you're going to look back and go, eh, they're okay. Like At times, Kemper's actually not been good. Oh, I agree. Like If you look at the numbers, you, you could make an average. He's been below average. Exactly. And so that's why people, I, I know if you have a great goalie, 100% you can win games you're not supposed to. You can get to the Stanley Cup Finals on teams that probably don't deserve to be there, and it can get you over the hump to win the award. But you can also do it the other way. So for Coyotes fans looking forward, do, do I do I think Veggie's the guy that's going to carry this team to the promised land five years from now? Probably not. There's time between now and then to either A, draft a guy. Maybe you could draft a guy this year late in the draft that becomes your guy that you develop. Maybe Prozvitov by then develops and becomes the guy. Or like Chicago did the first time around with Antony Emmy, Antony Emmy, maybe you just pick up a guy. So I don't know if that's as important as it is getting that big number one center to help get you through this. And I think for Coyotes fans, they need to look there first. They look need to look to the middle of the ice because when you look at, and, and I know we we get on this, we talk about that Pittsburgh core, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Melkin, Latang, Mark Andre Fleury, all drafted players and all drafted high. Like Latang was a third round player. But it's the guys on the bottom that make the difference. It's Matt Cook, Pavel Dupuis, Sergei Gonchar. The next year, it's Kessel, Hornquist, Benino, Ian Cole. Like You need those fill-in pieces to win. But at the end of the day, without that solid drafted core, you are not winning. So that's the model that GM Bill Armstrong is trying to emulate, is that big core that they can draft. And that can include... You can include Keller in that. Does Keller, he's a drafted player. That is Chikrin part of it? Eh, we'll see. Maybe. So those guys count. Clayton Keller counts as a first-round pick that can be part of this core down the road. So it is going to be interesting to see as this progresses for Arizona, can they check the boxes that these other teams checked along the way to winning a cup? 
Yeah, and talking about those fill-in players, I'm not saying it's easy to fill to fill in around stars, but it's definitely the easier of the two things to do. You need the star players, otherwise, it doesn't matter who you fill in around them. You're not going to win a cup. Um, but you can't. You, you got to pick the right players to fill in around them. Obviously, looking at you, Stan Bowman. Um, otherwise, you're not going to have any sustained success. It'll just be a short period of a burst of success, and you'll move on. Um, <clears throat> I want to look at. The, uh, the the other thing that you mentioned at the top of the show, the draft position, you know what else all those teams have in common? They pick first or second overall in a draft. Yeah. <laughs> so, all of them. Next all year's three the had, year. Next year's had, the year. <laughs> they all had the number one pick. All three of them had the number one so, pick. Patrick Kane, yeah. number one overall. Uh, Drew Doughty was only number two overall, but having the number two pick helps too. Anze Kopitar was actually, I think, the 11th overall pick. That was a phenomenal pick. Um Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby, number one overall. Marc-Andre Fleury, number one overall. Evgeny Malkin, number two overall. So when we go lauding the Penguins for the ingenious building of a Stanley Cup winner, let's be real here. They drafted first or second overall in three different drafts. It's not as hard when you get that pick. That is a big part of it. And it drives me crazy when I read the narratives about the genius of certain teams in building a cup winner. Well, if you're picking first or second overall in a year when Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are available, well, duh, you're going to have success down the road. It's not as hard, but you need those picks. Alex Ovechkin was a number one overall pick, and the Caps won a cup. You can just keep going on. We talked about Tampa. Steven Stamkos was the first overall pick. Victor Hedman was the second overall pick. You have to get those marquee players. And if you're not drafting one or two, it's a hell of a lot harder to find them. So what you're saying is we need to find out what the Penguins and Blackhawks and Lightning were doing around draft lotteries, what voodoo magic they were taking part in, and we need to take that forward into next year for the generational player draft for Bedard. That's yeah. what you're saying. Because I don't, I think the days are gone. Like I, I have no idea. Uh, Detroit's scouting department must must have been so much better than the rest of the NHL when they found guys like Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg in the late rounds of the draft. It's insane that players like that were left un, undrafted until those rounds. I don't think that happens anymore. I don't think you see players of that caliber get drafted so late anymore. Scouting is just too good. All of the technology is just too good. So you, you're you going to have much less of a chance of landing those type of players if you're not. I mean, if, if they redrafted the Datsuk draft, he'd go first overall, right? Betterberg, probably the same thing. So you got to – they got to get a little bit of luck here. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you find a way when you're drafting third overall. Maybe if Logan Cooley's there, he does end up being what Chris Peters told us yesterday, the most dynamic player in this draft, and he becomes a superstar. It's not impossible to find those players after one or two, but the odds say uh, your chances are much greater if you have the first or second overall pick. Yeah, and and that's why as a keep going back to this as a Coyote fan, keep your fingers crossed for the ping pong balls next year. However, the difference is what we've talked about with this year's draft. The, the and we've talked to draft experts over and over again have told us these three players in the top three, Wright, Slavkovsky, and Cooley, are all. I, I don't want to say they're all good players. Like yeah. Cooley in, in another year, Cooley might be the number one pick overall. And honestly, he might be the number one pick this year. We don't know. We're not picking. So can Cooley be that guy at three? Yeah, maybe. 
maybe you got Cooley and Gunther and maybe now you've got Keller and yeah, maybe, maybe. So it, it, we say the top two picks, but maybe this number three kick pick can be like a, you know, uh, a Jonathan Taves that at number three, that becomes that rock solid centerman uh, that becomes your number one center for years and years. I mean, who knows? Who knows? It's something to be that you can look at it with hope, but you can also say, okay, there's next year's draft too. So Again, deep breath. We got we got a, we got a whole year to get through before we start talking about next year's draft. For goodness' sakes! Oh my gosh! We just got through this one. I know. I will say, talking to Chris Peters yesterday, it all. Every time we talk to one of these draft experts, they are always so hopeful for the Coyotes um, for what they'll be picking. So it, it gets me excited. He had a lot of really really good things to say about Logan Cooley, and if it's not Cooley, I think. And I said this to PD yesterday after. Um, the show was thank goodness the Coyotes are in that top three because if they were that fourth spot and you know it seems like the top three could go in any order and it'll work out in any way but if you're like one outside of that three you'd be so frustrated that you weren't kind of guaranteed one of those three the Coyotes at least you can sleep well at night knowing that they're gonna get one of those three it's just a matter of who and, and obviously you know the development piece which comes later down the road so if you missed our interview with chris peters yesterday check it out either on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts a lot of great insight from him not just on cooley but a ton of other prospects as well and his two cents and he's out there watching these people play so he has really really great analysis and and something you just said pd like when you're you're hoping for one of those top two picks is next year's draft the last chance for the Coyotes? I mean, are, are they going to just get too good to – I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but are they going to get too good to be the first or second overall pick after next season? I mean, that it, one, you hope they start to, to, to skew upwards. The problem, and we've seen it in the desert year after year after year, when you finish 12th to 9th, you're stuck in 12th to 9th. You don't get – you're not bad enough to get better. You're not good enough to make the playoffs. You're just stuck in that no man's land. And that's why the commitment to this franchise right now is to get worse. <laughs> and I hate that it sounds so bad, but it's true. All of these teams have in common is they were really bad. So let's, if you get these great picks and you've got these guys that you're developing, I think next year's the year. They've got to hit that top three pick two years in a row. It can't be the eighth or ninth pick. It can't be 12th or 15th. It's got to be another top three. I won't say number one, although that's ideal. If you can get a top three two years in a row, you can go, okay, here we go. Let's go. Let's let's get this train on the tracks and get rolling. But you're right, Craig. After that, oh boy, you start getting to be like these New York Rangers who are ahead of, ahead of schedule on their rebuild. And you go, oh, you're not going to get a first or second pick. So I, I think you're absolutely 100% correct on where the Coyotes are coming into the future. One more thing related to just the topic of dynasties and teams that have really done the best they can in their situations. The Coyotes are moving forward with an optimal location for the team. Hopefully, if it all goes well, if they get into the Tempe Entertainment District that they want to, if all of that goes well, let's just say, I think... Another thing we can say about these teams with that success, and if you missed it on our PHNX underscore Coyotes Twitter, PD was outside of Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay and kind of looked through the the community there and what having that team there and having a community was like. 
I think that you can say that Pittsburgh has that. I mean, Chicago, it's obviously different kind of in a huge metropolitan city like that. But which other NHL arenas are best situated to maximize their fan base and their city? Do you, what you guys think? I, I'll get my, my one of my votes here is the Nashville Predators, who is in the heart of downtown Nashville, that it's the end of Music Row. They can get walk-up fans that are just there enjoying country music because you go, oh shit, it's right across the street. I'm going to go to a hockey game. And so you can get fans to go to every game because it's easy to get to. It's downtown where there's restaurants and bars and people actually travel to that part of town. So that's one of the arenas I looked at and goes, gosh, they're in the right place. And you can't. Like, Leah, you, Toronto? Like, really? Like, what else do they need other than you can't? travel anywhere near the city because the traffic is so horrific but the location in toronto is phenomenal it is the heartbeat of the city where the toronto maple leafs play like it's literally everywhere. it's at the end of a train station line like you can get there so so you look at teams that have that boy that sure helps when it's mm-hmm. easy to get to <clears throat> yeah I, lee i know you're referring to the story that i posted today on phnx um looking at all the options in Tempe and even South Scottsdale old town's only five miles away from the arena. Um, I, I totally agree with PD on those choices. Nashville's unbelievable. Toronto is unbelievable. And the cities you're in right now, Tampa and, and New York both have really good setups. Um, I think Montreal where we're going to go for the draft is another phenomenal setup. Uh, but you start thinking about <clears throat> some of the, when we talked about the Coyotes being in Glendale, you see how much it hurts from that aspect as well. Look, Westgate is fine, and I know a lot of people like the setup because they could just walk to, you know, a restaurant or a shop. But it's not like there are tons of offerings in Glendale. It's Westgate or nothing, really, or a bunch of cornfields or what alfalfa fields or cotton fields or whatever it is out there. You think of Ottawa like being way, way away from everything. You think of the Florida Panthers being in Sunrise. The only thing they've got is that giant mall right there. There's just nothing going on in some of these areas. It's so important to creating that buzz to creating a vibrant feel when you're right in the core of it and close to your fan base, close to the core of the city. So I, I get really excited when I think about the possibilities for the Coyotes in that Tempe location. I don't know if any other arenas come to mind for you, PD, when you start scanning the NHL map. Are there any other cities that have this great setup? I mean, but Vancouver's I mean, right there too. It's a great call. Every, Vancouver, anywhere where it's in the heart of the city. And I know people don't like the St. Paul setup. They'd much rather see the building where the Twins play in downtown Minneapolis. But downtown St. Paul's got some of the things that you need, too, from hotels to restaurants. It's a walking city in that area, other than when it's 20 below in February. But yeah. but it's got a lot to offer. I, I think what you're looking at is the common theme is where they have an entertainment district around it, but not just the arena and the entertainment district like we saw in Glendale. It was that was it. It was an arena and an entertainment district and right. then vast nothingness. I think in, in the areas where we're talking about here, it's there's more. There's more than just the arena and the entertainment district. It's close to another entertainment district or it's close to more housing or it's close to more restaurants. I think it has to have that element of something else to it. You look at Dallas, the location of the Dallas Stars Arena, again, heart of downtown. There's mm-hmm. There has been so much built around that arena, American Airlines Arena in Dallas, from hotels to restaurants to condos to townhouses that has exploded around that arena. So again, it's got to be more than just the immediate area. I think you need the larger circumference in a bigger area to make it work. 
Yeah, and and I, I guess you know teams in big markets can survive because I think of the setups in in Detroit and Chicago. There, there's nothing around those arenas where you're, you're going to go. You're, you're honestly, you're not going to walk around those those neighborhoods. Um, but Boston, on the flip side, you like you walk across the street and you're in the North End. You can get unbelievable Italian food at a million places. So, completely agree that it that it just adds so much for for the fan experience when you can be in the heart of it, or at least in one of the hubs of entertainment, of dining, of, you know, nightlife, things like that. Absolutely. And Craig kind of gave his recommendations for Tempe for South Scottsdale. Um, and you can find that in his story that was posted today at gophnx.com. I gave some input for that story as well. So if you are upset about any of the picks, you can direct it at me and Craig. Um, but check that out at gophnx.com. Yeah, check that out at gophnx.com. Sign up to become a member today. You can join our members-only Discord. The members-only Discord found out something yesterday that people haven't found out yet. So I'm going to sit on it still. But if you want to get access to the members-only Discord, become a member at gophnx.com. If you are a member and aren't in the Discord, go to gophnx.com. Hit the tab that says Lounge. You can join there. I know there's been some people who uh, didn't know that they could access it. So just come in there it's a blast um get a shirt from the phnx locker you can get a hat in there as well there's a, a phoenix a phnx rising phoenix rising scarf i know it's summer but you know that's that's soccer the scarves are are common so a lot of great stuff happening at phnx and keep i think it'll be announced by the time we post this so should we talk about it drop it leah drop it let's talk about it Another place that you could go in Tempe when you're going to a Coyotes game is Four Peaks Brewery. And why would you go there, you might ask? Because Four Peaks is officially the newest partner of PHNX. We did it, everyone. We got our beer. Four Peaks and PHNX have partnered together to be the official beer of PHNX. We are so, so, so beyond excited for this partnership. And expect a lot of events happening at Four Peaks Brewery in Tempe. And expect us, it's been a while since we've drank beer on the show, but expect us to be drinking beer on the show once again. So I am particularly excited about this partnership. Uh, I included uh, Four Peaks in my story. I did not mention that it's a PHNX partner yet because the news hadn't dropped. It's, you know, we're, we're recording this a little before the news, but we're not going to drop it until it comes out. I'll include it in the story at that point. Some controversy there, mostly from trash IPA drinkers questioning me calling Four Peaks the best brewery in the Valley, but that's my opinion. But I have. You, go ahead. But Four Peaks has amazing IPAs for those yeah, who, who I like IPAs. Know because in my opinion, there's no such thing. But the Hazy is like one of the best in Arizona, if not the U.S. And, and for me, because I like my ambers and my reds, I've got Kilt Lifter. And I mm. will say this for people that don't like the really heavy beers. They have the Gilt Lifter, which is a lower calorie, little bit lighter amber. So honestly, two of my favorite beers are, I, I'm so excited. I know it's the little things for me. This might be the greatest day for me at PHNX. It's the announcement of Four Peaks. So for me, my three favorites, the Hefeweizen, fantastic. The Oatmeal Stout, I'm a big Oatmeal Stout fan. And then mm. the Seasonal Pumpkin Porter, which yes. will be here in time for hockey season. Yes, we actually... Yes. We actually toured. Uh, of course, all these fun events have been happening when Craig and Petey out yeah, of town. Yeah, Petey noticed that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When they're out of town. 
We I'm went wondering to the if ice on purpose. We went to Four Peaks. We did a um, a brewery tour, and they they told us when they're going to start uh, producing the the pumpkin. So we're excited. My favorite is the peach ale. I love it. I always have it in my fridge. I got to drink it from the tap at the brewery the other day. Um, I love it. I'm so excited. I can't wait. More exciting things to come with Four Peaks. Um, this has been a while in the making, but we're thrilled. And now we have our official beer of pack therapy. We have the official beer of me saying I am beer, I guess. Like that beer on my head is now a Four Peaks beer. We pretty much have to wear that T-shirt, I think, Leah, when we when we drink Four Peaks. I now. think so, too. I think yeah. so, too. Maybe I'll just wear it every time that I don't have to think about my outfits for shows. It's just always the beer. I am beer shirt. Um, any final thoughts before we get out of here? PD has a long day ahead in mm. the trucks of ESPN. Yeah, it's it's. I will say this: this adventure, <laughs> I'm having a blast. But it's it's. I know I'm going to Madison Square Garden tonight, but I will be in a truck in the parking lot. Everybody's always oh, it's so excited. Yeah, I'm sure it's freaking awesome inside Madison Square Garden. I, but I don't know what that's like. So I'm I'm getting ready. Um, I'm going right from here over to the rink. I'm hoping to get on uh, PD at the playoffs in before the game tonight and. Um, off to Tampa tomorrow, getting ready for game six. Well, so. Petey, with, with a little luck, it'll only go six. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe Tampa can clo- win game five and close it out for you in game six. So, But will you even come home at that point, or will you just go? Well, the there is some debate about that right now, Craig. There is some debate. We will see. Hey, the good news is the Colorado Avalanche are in the Stanley Cup final, so Petey will be making an appearance at the DNVR bar. Which... That's awesome. It's so yeah, fun. I'm we've so already jealous. started to talk about it a little bit with our friends at DNVR. I am very excited. I might have even talked to former Coyote goaltender Brian Boucher about making a stop at the DNVR bar oh. with me. So he seemed to be in, but we'll have to wait and see. Mm. All right. So lots of good stuff coming. It's an exciting time. Check out the PD at the playoffs hashtag on Twitter. If you've missed any of PD's on the road content, follow us on Twitter at PHNX underscore coyotes, like subscribe and follow PHNX coyotes, wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review. If you will, we'll be live again tomorrow at 11 AM on the PHNX sports YouTube channel. Everybody check out PHNX sports across all social platforms. The four peaks announcement on the PHNX sports Twitter account. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all for putting up with my voice today and somehow Craig's by association. (laughs) Um, We'll be back live tomorrow at 11 a.m. And until then, enjoy your Thursday. Have a great rest of your day, everyone.